Welcome to season six of the RAG podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. And this show has been around since early 2019. And every week, we are obsessed with finding out how the world's most successful and innovative recruitment agencies and their founders have got to where they are today. In season six, alongside the founder's story and the inside information of that business, I also want to focus on the reality of today's economy. There is so much noise about this inevitable recession that we find ourselves in right now. And where it's going to go, is it really having an impact on the recruitment sector? Are they seeing any change in job flow? Are they seeing any change in candidate control or activity? What is going on? I want to find out. So every single week, I want to forget the propaganda, forget the noise. I'm going to speak to a real life recruitment owner and find out what is going on in their business. I'll bring it to you every single Wednesday from 12 o'clock across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. On this week's show, I am joined by Ephraim Stevenson. Ephraim is the CEO of Collar Group, a recruitment group based in Australia with nine offices and over 100 staff. Interestingly, Ephraim only started the business in the summer of 2021 and sent his first invoice in October 2021. So we're talking about 14 months ago. In that time, he's grown a predominantly blue collar, but moving into white collar and exec search recruitment firm with a um, heavily retained model with new business and account management across the country. And he's got to over 100 people. Now, this is not Ephraim's first venture into recruitment ownership. He got into the industry in Australia in 2000. Oh, I forget, the, I forget the exact year, but I know he's 24 years old. Um, but he, he did two and a half years as a consultant where he was a top biller earning a lot of money and then started his own business, um, which he had for 17 years. He's launched about eight or nine different recruitment businesses and brands within that time um, and has been hugely successful. He is one of the most energetic, enthusiastic owners I've ever met. You'll notice this on the podcast. There's been a few guests over the last couple of years that stand out with that no-hold-barred, high-growth energy with absolutely no ceiling on where they want to go. And this is another installment of that type of episode. So if you're in the blue-collar or or in the white-collar recruitment space and you're looking for that, to hear about a story of someone with with absolute ridiculously high growth um, plans, this is one for you. We do go into different areas of the business. We the, the episode moves around quite a lot. There's lots of different things we talk about. We talk about his personal life as well. Super honest, super open, hugely inspiring. I loved every minute of recording it, and I hope you enjoy the show. So without further ado, Ephraim, welcome to the RAG podcast. Thank you very much, Sean. Great to be here, mate. Awesome. And it is um, it is currently 8.45 a.m. in the UK. Um, and what is that, 7.45 p.m. where you are, is it? Or is it a bit earlier than that? A bit earlier than that, 4.45 p.m. Full fo- oh, yeah, you're, you're on the West Coast, aren't you? So it's not quite as, uh, yeah. quite as ridiculous a time difference. Um, Ephraim, welcome to the show. I've heard, uh, we've, this is the first time we've spoken. We've had a bit of communication via other people, Pete Watson, all sorts. Um but I've uh, I've heard some really cool things about what you've been up to, and I'm excited to get into it today. Um, before, you know, I, I tried to give you an intro. I can never really get it, do it justice. So before we get into your history and where you've been and all the rest of it, 
give us a bird's eye view of you and the company now. So how many people, how many offices, that kind of stuff, and your job right now today? Thanks, mate. And so as of today, we've got over 100 full-time employees um, across nine offices all dotted around Australia with uh, three new offices coming online uh, basically in the next three months. And to be honest with you, mate, we can't see any sign of, of slowing down anytime soon. Um, and I think it's to do with the way we structured the business and I guess the amount of knowledge and experience that we've got um, under our belt. I mean, we've, we've now got over you know 400 years worth of uh, recruitment knowledge and experience under the Collar, um, Collar brand. So uh, arguably one of the most experienced startups um, in Australia. Again, I guess, you know, you look at the likes of Hayes, we've got north of 50 years worth of Hayes experience in the business, over 50 years worth of Chanda McLeod experience. Uh, you know, respect both those businesses so much. But um, I guess for me personally, Matt, I honestly believe there's a, a real change in the guard. Um, obviously, when it comes to these top multinationals and international recruitment firms and allowing basically, you know, a startup or startups uh, to really come in and um, previously it would have been very difficult for them to pitch for some of these larger tenders or larger, basically large volume accounts. A lot of those businesses now, I think COVID's had a big part to play in that, but I think a lot of these uh, decision makers now in some of these large multinationals, internationals are really, uh, you know, it's not necessarily all about price point anymore. Um, it's actually about the service and the deliverable uh, deliverables behind that, um, but also, I guess, the, the quality of the team that's actually servicing their accounts as well. So he put, he puts, it's actually put us in really good stead, mate. So you, how old is the business? Uh, so the business um, actually launched officially on the 29th of July, 2021. Um, for the first two months, it was all systems, processes, procedures. So this is my first blue-collar, large-volume business, all my other agencies. So I've founded, co-founded uh, 12 agencies in total. Um, so this is my first, um, I guess, attempt at doing a large-volume business. Um, first two months, systems, process, procedures, you know, obviously compliance, mobilization, speed to market, but without putting any corners and and really just putting the candidate experience at the forefront of everything we do. You know, you get that down pat, you get them right. Um, that speed to market is, is just going to fire. So our first invoice went out in 15th of October, 2021. And um, so for all sense of what we are on the 6th of, 6th of December now, now, obviously 2022. So a little over 14 months or just a little under 14 months worth of uh, solid trading. Um, already <laughs> double-digit multi-million dollars. Um, and yeah, for, even from a headcount point of view, mate, we've got, I think there's, uh, as of last count, about another 11 offers out at the moment that we're just waiting to, to hear back on. So this is literally like bonkers growth. I've been interviewing a lot of the guys from the Storm brands. I don't know if you've listened to the ones with... Uh the Levin Group, and they are, they're, they're officially, I think, yeah, the fastest-growing yeah. fastest recruitment company in the planet, but you're not doing things much differently. So I want to find out how you've done what you've done. Let's go back a bit. So you're you're originally from the UK. You told me from Morecambe, you know, Tyson Fury's land, um, and uh, you moved out to the to Australia, what would you say, 20? Was it 20 years ago, did you say? Twenty-four, yeah. So uh, moved over as a backpacker, as a, a lot of us tend to do at the grand old age of twenty-four. No recruitment experience. So my background was I worked for AXA Insurance for for about five years doing outbound um, sales. So obviously insurance sales, newspapers. Um, mm. So basically account management, um, basically doing you know B two B. Me personally, I've been now over twenty-one years worth of recruitment knowledge and experience. I, I'm, I'm going to be biased with this, sure, but I think. Uh, 
you know, outbound insurance sales and obviously B2B account management selling newspaper advertising space, obviously having that kind of client-facing role, make a really <laughs> good recruiter. Um, so yeah, landed over here, literally with about $500 to my name, mate. Um, in fact, my mm. best friend, Jamie, who um, he worked with me for a number of years over here in Australia, actually paid for my flight over to Australia. Um, so I came across uh, with the intention of traveling around Australia and uh, then going over to, to Fiji, then over to the States was the, was the open-ended ticket, but landed in Sydney. Um, first job I got was actually working on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, doing the bridge climbs. Uh, so right. completely out of sales altogether. Um, and then I was desperate. You know, I, I loved basically Sydney. And I was desperate to stay um, stay in the city and obviously met my, um, met my partner at the time and um, sent my resume off to, no word of a lie, to about Hey, we're looking for a telemarketer. We're looking for an appointment setter to, to come in and actually make appointments for our recruiters um, to actually go out and, and actually then bring in the work. And you know, we'll pay you $13.50 um, at the time and uh, we'll give you 1% of all, all um, gross profit that you generate. And I uh, did that for about two weeks, mate. And um, I was making the appointments, but their consultants were coming back and saying, you know, the leads weren't qualified and, uh, you know, they're not interested in using agencies and, Obviously, being obviously from a strong sales background, I beg to differ. And I approached the directors and said, "Look, let me let me have a go doing what these guys and girls are doing." And um, they said, "Well, you know, if we do, it'll be commission only." I said, "Well, what will that look like?" So they offered me fifty percent of all gross profit that I generated. And then, um, again, going from thirteen dollars fifty an hour to, unfortunately um, for me, mate, my background's property construction. Dad was in construction, as I said, obviously earlier. You know, I lived in South Africa, lived in Jordan, lived in Harare, in Zimbabwe. Dad was always around in in construction. Grandfather was in construction, so always had that passion for construction. And um, I started their first construction desk uh, from scratch, and um, I was the top builder of the business from the first month. Um, for the 24 months that I was actually in the business. And, um, you know, I went from, again, earning 1350 um, obviously, you know, an hour to, you know, my first month, I billed just shy of $40,000 to take it on my paycheck for just shy of $20,000 um, was enough to get me hooked into into recruitment, that's for sure. And again, as a backpacker, you know, arriving in the country with about $500 to my name, it um, obviously allowed me to have what a lifestyle think- that I would normally have normally been able to have from walking. What do you think put you, like, what what, what made you, what made that possible for you? What I guess, what do you put it down to to be able to turn thing to get into an industry? All right, you had telesales experience. I know loads of people who've worked in telesales. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to turn around and perform at that level. So, what did you do, or what do you do? Do you think to be at that level? Well, I think for me, mate, it was more so just thinking outside the box, and you know, no disrespect to, to the team that were around me, but. Um, it was more so, you know, things like using a fax machine, mate, right? Um, using a fax. So what would happen is basically every Friday we would get the City Morning Herald, the City Morning Herald would actually advertise the jobs of all the companies that were advertising. Um, but that wasn't actually uh, put to public or put out to public till the Saturday. So I was always getting it on the Friday and it was basically, you know, uh, sending faxes out left, right and centre, just offering our services. And that actually proved to be a really, a really successful kind of revenue stream for me. Because, again, nobody was really using that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the, you know, these companies that had spent, you know, hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars on an advertisement to not actually get any, any response, but also then they're getting a fax through from a recruiter basically saying, you know, we've obviously got a number of candidates who meet the profile or we personally believe would be suitable for the business. Um, that's really what I, I think gave me, um, I guess, gave me the head start in recruitment. And again, you know, having the product knowledge, all my friends, you obviously, you know, you're from up north, mate. And growing up at school, all my mates were either you know, doing apprenticeships, where it's carpentry, and, mm. you know, where it's an electrician, plumber, whatever the case may be. So I kind of knew some of the terminology. And I think that's what was really missing in the property construction space. 
um, especially in Sydney. I mean, it was only a Sydney-based role. Um, so again, it was more that solutions focus going out there. What are your pain points? And absolutely, price point was, you know, was critical at the time. Um, there was a lady called Louise Clinton from Hayes who, who honestly, mate, she literally had Sydney uh, wrapped up. She was the number one biller. Um, but what I found was w- when I was speaking to companies, um, Hayes were going in at a very flat um, minimum, um, I guess, percentage. And uh, so for me, it actually gave me quite a bit of wriggle room there to obviously just go in and, and again, position into it in a different uh, different type of approach. And I think having a, you know, a name like Ephraim uh, with a northern accent is always a good conversation starter. For sure. Where does that name come from? So it actually originates uh, from Jordan. Uh, as I say, my old man was working in Jordan before I was born. I then went to, obviously, we moved over there after I was born. But um, Ephraim is a, a really, a really common name. It's a Hebrew name. Right. And it actually means fruitful. Uh, so he liked the, the sight, sound of it. So instead of Ephraim having an eye in, took the eye out. So it's Ephraim. Um, yeah. And again, mate, it's, you know, doesn't matter where I am. It's, sorry, what did you say? Sorry, what's your name? Um, yeah. So again, it, it's just what a, and I think having obviously a, a northern accent, as I say, mate, is something that certainly put us in, a, is in uh, put me in good stead to have some of those more difficult conversations, a bit of an icebreaker as well. Um, yeah. So it's not all so serious. And then again, you know, sharing the story with some of these clients about my background, where I've come from, um, and they could see the passion. I mean, um, I don't expect to know who these two people are, but, you know, two of the, the most successful entrepreneurs in property and construction and also within the civil infrastructure space in Sydney. One would be a guy called Sid Fisher. Sid Fisher, uh, you know, won the uh, Sydney to Hobart, won the America's Cup, basically, he's um, you know, he was in his 80s and still racing the Sydney to Hobart. But I was fortunate enough to, to actually land him as one of my first clients and um, invited me into into his boardroom in, in Sydney CBD. And um, it was just such a, a pillar of knowledge and experience and somebody that I really respected and looked up to. So he kind of took me under his wing from a, a product knowledge point of view and introduced me to quite a few of his clients. And then another chap is a guy called George Gassain, who arguably has got one of the, the most successful, um, you know, I guess civil contracting businesses in Sydney and same again, like he'd never used a recruiter. He liked my name and um, he'd always call me Ephraim on the phone and uh, Ephraim blind down the phone to me. But, um, you know, a spade was a spade. And I think for me, it was a really big learning curve that, okay, if I can get meetings with these two, these two types of individuals and they're willing to listen to me, then I've got a real opportunity here. And, and again, for me, the, the money incentive behind recruitment. Um, you know, I, I literally went 24 months without having to do one replacement, mate. I was a top builder in the business from the, the first day I joined to, you know, literally the day I walked out of the business. And the only reason why I left that business, and I've said this time and time again, is they just got too greedy. You know, basically they set me off on a commission-only model, which is 50%. We all know that's not a sustainable business model if you're looking yeah. to scale a business. Uh, but by the time I exited the business, I had, you know, about 15 people all reporting into me. The property construction space was arguably their biggest revenue stream. Um, but they were paying people salaries before paying me my commissions, you know. So I made the made the call. I walked away from about forty thousand dollars in commissions um, and set up my first business, which was the company called Design and Construct. Which um, you know I went on basically, you know, seventeen and a half years. I had that grew that to Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, London. One shareholder, one director. Um, brought in a, a, a VC, brought in some investment, rebranded the business. That's now trading as Evolve Talent. Um, and again, in its own right, a v- very successful recruitment agency. I certainly do north of 100 mil turnover this year. Um, to, so to also kind of have that experience growing a startup from from scratch, which really came off a, a frustrated idea of a company not looking after me and over-promising and under-delivering, um, was all about that service quality. I mean, we won uh, you know Recruitment International Award, Best Training in Australia, LinkedIn Most Socially Engaged Businesses. I know you're a big advocate of LinkedIn, mm-hmm. mate. 
Um, you know, LinkedIn most socially engaged business you know, three years in a row with the only recruiter, obviously, who could actually boast that they don't do that award anymore. And no. um, albeit, I did have a really interesting conversation with my LinkedIn account manager last week, and um, I need to get the word in of this. We are actually, um, and I could say this because I'm obviously going to be biased, mate. Um, so we are the fastest privately owned and i've got to get that privately owned part fastest privately owned recruitment agency in australia as it as it stands now and that's on a number of avenues that we're looking at obviously engagement likes followers um obviously number of employees retention so for me personally like linkedin has been an absolute game changer in all of my businesses you know yeah. the kona and co brand has started that during uh, during covid mate and um, we, know, we grew that to a really successful exec search, insurance and banking and finance. Um, you know, the Preston James brand, which is a rec to rec brand, um, you know, the 420 Consulting in January Resources, which is over in the UK, which has started off as Design and Construct Limited. So all these businesses, and we talked about Taylor or Talent Co, obviously earlier as well, all these businesses have all really come from an idea of, um, I guess, a frustration of wanting to do something different and do something better. But I think that's probably what is our biggest competitive advantage under the Collar brand now is actually having all that knowledge and experience, all those wins, losses, and all those kind of, you know, antidotes to obviously share. All right. So I'm, I'm trying to get my head around because there's a lot there. There's a lot. So you, let me dissect what you've just said. I don't know if anyone's listening feeling like me I'm like wow that was a lot of information about different companies and growth numbers and let me break that down so you left your, your first job after how long two and a half years did you say I did commission only for two years and then set up a company called design and construct right so let's stop there so you, you became a founder of your own recruitment company design and construct at the age of what 26 27 26 yeah and you had that company for 17 years yep and that company was just one brand, and you grew that to how many people was it when you left? So headcount of about fifty-five, mate, and yeah. with offices in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, and London. Right. Doing construction, like blue Doing collar construction, yeah, yeah. So property construction, um, engineering, architecture, and right. mainly white collar. To be honest with you, mate. Right. I mean, we certainly had a blue collar component, but that white collar, um, all your perm fees, some exec search in there as well. Okay. So what, I mean, let's, let's just talk about that for a, for a minute. Cause that, I mean, that alone is, is pretty impressive to be, to build a business at that age. Did you, ex did you exit that company, like sell it or what, what was the, what was the end result? So the end result was basically exit. So I brought in a VC. So grew that business, um, brought in an internal investor while I was um, obviously building the design and construct brand. I also launched Preston James, which is a rec to rec. Um, so I also launched 420 Consulting, which is a software and IT specialist, launched Design and Construct Limited. Um, so the four of those businesses were all being run in conjunction, um, basically, while I was scaling the Design and Construct brand. Brought in an investor uh, to help me take the business to the next level. Um, and that's when we went to market and hired individuals like, you know, the um, Hayes' global biller. So um, a lady called Leslie Delimi, she built $3.2 million gross profit in the last financial year at Hayes. Brought her into the design and construct business, but we rebranded the business under the new with the new investor uh, to BCA, which is now Evolve Talent. Um, and you know, Leslie came in, and that's where the blue blue collar component came. So she was responsible for managing um, up to about four hundred and fifty people. So we really took the design and construct business, you know, from doing double digits to doing over 60, 60 million turnover inside eighteen months uh, with the help of obviously. The BC, yeah. obviously, the new highs that we're bringing in, and the further expansion. 
what was the driver to keep building different brands? Like, if you're going in one direction with design and construct and it's going well, why are you opening a Rectorec and an IT recruiter? Like, what what was the driver for that? And the method, the method to the madness there, mate, was um, the individuals that I was actually partnering with. I mean, arguably, you know, some of the some of the best recruiters that I've been fortunate enough to partner with. I guess so it was a different stage of my life there, where it was all about obviously growing, um, you know, growing multiple brands. I didn't really see um, at that time, I didn't really see the benefit of obviously having it all under one roof, nor did I think it was possible, you know, because you look at the likes of the Hazes and the Chandlers and the, you know, the Robert Walters of the world, and you know, they're obviously ASS, ASX listed, they've obviously got shareholders, you know, they've got a lot of capital behind them. Um, and I didn't really think the industry was actually ready for um, a business to, to actually combine all that talent, all that knowledge uh, and all that experience under one brand. And, and to be honest with you, I don't I haven't really seen a business do it that well in Australia. And um, so that's where the method to the madness was, was, you know, have specialist agencies who only specialize in what they say, you know, I guess. Yeah. They but they were all exactly centrally, they all supported centrally by central services, finance, HR. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So what, you said your life was different then. So you were, was that living in Sydney and not be not being a father and stuff like you just talk, talk us what, through what, what, what was your lifestyle? Yeah, 100%. Well, the, the lifestyle was, mate, I'm a bit of a workaholic. There's uh, there's no, no ifs or buts. Um, and I think for me, it was like you say, you know, the, the method, the madness there was that I was working a, well, I'm going to say nine to five, but it was a, a you know a six a.m. through to six p.m. on a Sydney on a Sydney uh, kind of roster. But then you know jumping in over back over to WA time, jumping into the UK time. So I was working like a, a, an absolute lunatic, mate. Um, and for me personally, it there was there had to be more to life, right? So like I said to you earlier, and obviously recently, um, I'm a proud father, obviously you know baby boy just turned nine months, and and. Um, always wanted to have children in my life and for me now I've got that reason why and um, whereas before it was just I'm building these businesses building these brands with no real exit strategy and yeah. um, obviously behind it other than we're getting some really good momentum really good traction you know the the brands are being really well recognized in their market sector um, and in their space and that's that's ultimately I guess what the driver was there was working with high performing recruiters who let's be honest, wouldn't have actually come in under the design and construct brand because it, well, it's design and construct, right? So it's how do we then basically generate or create a brand, um, which I guess is where we're, where we're here today. So what year did you sell that group of businesses? Yeah, so exited uh, those businesses about, what we on, 2000, so 2019 is when I actually exited Although I was a shareholder up until uh, July 2020, uh, basically um, for the, the Evolve Talent brand or basically the BCA brand. Um, and then from there, that's when I launched the, the Kona & Co brand. So Kona & Co, again, mate, like, like I say, I'm a bit of a workaholic. You know? So exit those businesses. I was going to take 12 months off. Um, myself and my wife, basically, you know, were laying um, on a beach in Hawaii at my, my father-in-law's. Um, and we were, as it happened, we were you know, staying at a place called Kona. And then, um, you know, I was kind of racking my head what I'm going to do five weeks into this 12 months, uh, obviously sabbatical. Was it like that I was taking. Amount of money, though? Was it enough to, to retire? Or? Well, it, it was certainly enough to, yeah, obviously set me up, mate. I mean, again, obviously having the business for 17 and a half years uh, financially, obviously, you know, I had a very good wicket. Um, hmm. you know, again, one, one shareholder, one director. Um, you know, for me personally, it was, again, 
at that time, obviously, I was previously, I was in a, a different marriage. I was with the same partner for 15 years. Mm. And obviously, children wasn't, was supposed to be on the cards. And it came that it wasn't going to be on the cards. Right. Um, and then from there, obviously, you know, we went through a, a divorce. And yeah. um, so, you know, part of the reason, obviously, why I brought in VC was exactly that reason, obviously, you know, to obviously help out from a, from a financial point of view. And obviously, to make sure that, you know, my other half was obviously you know, financially taken care of. And I would obviously manage the businesses or, or keep the businesses. Um, and then from there, um, obviously, now happily remarried and obviously happily, as I say, obviously, uh, um, happy to obviously have the little fellow in our lives. But that was that is definitely what has been the game changer for me is the old saying goes, you can't put a price on happiness, right? So you could just go back to your question earlier, you know, working like a lunatic all those hours. But if you're not happy in yourself and, you, you know, your quality of work-life balance is, is critical. And that's all I seem to champion at the moment is obviously, you know, what is a good quality of work-life? And at that time, it was all work and there was no real life, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to have the, the opportunity again, being over in Hawaii, then obviously the Kona and Co on the Co, let's get in Kona, right, Kona let's, and Co was established. Let's, let's, let's dissect that. So you, you, you sell the first business. Are you, are you divorced at this point? Uh, no, so, uh, sorry, divorced prior to me, basically exiting yeah. those businesses. Yep. Yeah. So you've got that whole financial settlement to deal with there, but yep. you're still, obviously you, you're financially in a good position. You, are you already with your now wife at this point and you go to Hawaii together? Is that what happened? Were you in Hawaii on your own? Okay, so t- 2019 was obviously um, when I exited the businesses. Um, 2018 was when I actually got divorced. Yeah. Um, and then 2000, 2000 and sorry, 2017 when I got divorced. 2019 was when uh, basically I exited the business and when it was with my new partner. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then basically, yeah, we recently got married um, a couple of years ago. Great. I mean, it sounds quite similar to me, right? I got married in 2019, got divorced in, got split up in 2020, divorced in 21, and married again in 2020. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I, I saw the I saw the I pictures, mate. Congratulations. I'm not a marriage obsessed lunatic, I promise. It's just the way life worked out. And it, you know, it's quite similar. It's it probably not too dissimilar a story to yours. But um, so you sat there in a way, five weeks in. This is a bit I'm excited. So you, you, you sound like you're probably quite itchy at this point. Like you've got like, ants in your pants when I mean, you should be in theory enjoying the the fact the world is you know is, is your oyster you don't have to work you've got this beautiful woman you're with you know could you you, you a lot of people would say oh just enjoy the moment but you're already starting to think about your next business yeah i think for me mate it's it's the it's the drive right it's the the reason why why do i get up in the morning and yeah. bear in mind at that, that time i did have my baby boy right so yeah. it was still uh, obviously in my um you know in my early 40s um and still wanting to make a difference but i i don't think i managed to achieve what i'd set out to achieve with the designing constructor with the other brands I, i'll be completely honest like i think for me my calling has always been leading to where i am today um it's again that drive that there was something there was an underlining uh, an un- underlining kind of question that still needed answering um, as to about recruitment and like I, I needed something to prove to myself to be honest with you um as if the other businesses weren't just a fluke um and that you know obviously i could i could not be honest I, that they, they weren't a fluke and i could do it again yeah. but not just do it again do it better from a, a quality of work-life balance and i think yeah. um, i don't think there's a 17 year fluke out there just so you know i don't think that exists yeah think. yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I i i hear you mate but i i think for me bringing in the investor Look, it had its great points, but it also had its really shitty points. And its mm. really shitty points were 
I mean, my heart of the business, and I say my heart of the business because that's what it felt like, ripped out purely because you've got a bunch of accountants coming in who, who don't really appreciate the structure, the culture of the business, what you've built, um, and that kind of legacy that you're leaving in regards to, um, you know, as of today, mate, I've got north of 20 employees in the collar business who've all worked for me before. Wow. Some in four businesses, some in three, some in two, some in one. Um, and I think that's what is, again, one of our biggest competitive advantages is we all know what we set out to do at DNC. And, and for whatever reason, we didn't actually achieve that or we don't believe we achieved that as a, kind of as a group. Right. Whereas now the opportunity that is in front of us with Collar is just immense. So we'll get on to Collar in a minute because I don't want to miss it. I don't, there's a lot to talk about. But So then you come back from Hawaii and you start a company called Kona & Co., which is what? What type of company is that? So exec search. Um, right. So initially it was going to be looking into rec to rec, actually, funnily enough. Um, and that was just down to do with a couple of the, uh, I guess, sale agreements that had obviously um, when exiting the businesses. But we managed to obviously to resolve that. We then went into property construction, then went into banking finance, then went into software and IT, and then also into insurance as well. And that was all exec search? Exec search, uh, white collar, um, all, all all white collar, decent decent size fees. You know, all six figure salaries predominantly were most of the roles that we were working on. And were you personally and, and that, recruiting at that point? Or was it? Were you always? I was, mate. Yeah, yeah. Back back on the tools, and obviously recruiting from the front. Um, and and again, you know, we we grew that to to a team of it was about ten people involved in the business. And uh, you know, from a standing start. None of us, I think there was only, sorry, I say none of us, about three of us had actually um, only spent about two weeks in the office together before COVID kind of reared its head. Yeah. Um, a couple of the people had previously worked for me in the business as well. So again, that was obviously, you know, what what was a no-brainer for me. So again, the accounting, the insurance, um, having, having the opportunity to work with arguably one of, the, one of the best recruiters that I've had the pleasure of, um, you know, working alongside. And he, he's now obviously, you know, still continuing with the Kona & Co brand under Kona Recruitment and he's absolutely smashing goals, you know. So again, it's, I've been very fortunate throughout my career to work with high-performing individuals who have either approached me direct and said, hey, do you want to do something together? Or, hey, do you have an opportunity where you might be interested in basically, you know, partnering or um, you know, maybe mentoring, looking at it from a, whether it's um, an investment opportunity or purely just from a knowledge-based point of view. So what about the the company that we spoke to you last? You said you were working with a year ago. So you're at Kona and Co. You've got Kona and Co. And then you also launched another brand? Yeah. So um, the the high-performing recruiter, obviously, that was talking about from Hayes. So $3.2 million gross profit mm. at Hayes. Once I exited, um, exited the business, I um, was very unhappy with the, the investors that were on the table, the new management that came in. Um, and in essence, wanted to wanted to get out. So we actually went into business together. I was the second largest shareholder um, in Tailored or Talent Co. As they're now uh, basically rebranded to. Um, and the that was the I guess the high volume blue collar uh, blue yeah. collar business. And um, I was managing that from afar from Melbourne during COVID. So bear in mind, while I was in, you know, people give me uh, give me grief about my hair, mate. I haven't had this haircut since uh, I was actually in Melbourne during the lockdown. I couldn't get a haircut. So last time I had this cut was about two and a half years ago. Get the back and sides cut, but. Uh, um, was managing tailored resources from afar from Melbourne. Um, six months in, Kona and Co was really starting to take some traction. I really then was at a crossroad. Do I continue doing what I'm doing and really fall back into where I was at Design and Construct, managing multiple businesses, you know, working ridiculous hours, working East Coast, West Coast, 
or do I arrange and actually approach the, the team at Kona and Co? Do you want to do a management buyout? They did a management buyout. They retained basically all the intellectual property. I, myself and my wife at the time, bear in mind, we'd just been in a five-month lockdown in Melbourne. We, yeah. you know, we had a restriction five kilometers from our house. Only one person allowed out the household at any one time. Should we relocate over to WA? Better lifestyle. COVID is really present in the WA. And you know they obviously managed to you know, kind of uh, sail okay. past that really well. And um, so made the decision, management by Cone and Co. Step into um, tailored as a, I guess as a full time, basically, you know, with no other distractions, just focusing on this business. Um, managed to do a ten million dollar turnover business inside our first uh, twelve months of trading. Uh, so six months over in Melbourne, six months, five months on the ground over here. Um, but that's when myself and my wife obviously found out we're expecting. And so on the Tuesday, found out we're expecting. Wednesday, I've called the board meeting politely resigned, gave back my equity and wished them all the best. And then Thursday, literally launched Collar. And, uh, right, let's yeah. go, let's, let's, let's dissect that, right? So you moved to WA because the weather's better and it's yep. on the beach and all the rest. I mean, I've lived in Melbourne and I know what it's like. It's a beautiful place, but it's not your classic warm beachside city. I mean, they've got all that, but it's not, no, it's more of a cultural, it's almost a bit European, isn't it? And then you got Sydney and you got, I know, I've never been to Perth, but I know people who live there and I know, you know, it's a, it's warmer all year round, etc. So you, you make the decision from a family perspective to do, to relocate. You get pregnant, and it takes that decision or that 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 news to make you walk away from a, a ten million turnover business that you're a ma- your second major shareholder. Why? For me, like I said, I think I had some unfinished business. Um, with a designing construct where I believe I could have probably taken that a lot larger than what I did. Being on the ground over here, mate, all I've wanted my whole life, you ask any of my friends, any of my associates, any of my peers, I've always wanted to be a father. Right? My, my dad died when I was 13. And so growing up my whole life, obviously, you know, without a real father figure. And looking back at some of my my wins in my career, just wish I had somebody there to be able to share that with. Mm. Um, and as soon as I found out where I was expecting, mate, it was the like it is for everyone, no doubt, the happiest day of my life. But I went into the office that day or the, the morning after, and I was just kind of looking around going, do you know what? I could keep doing what I'm doing here, and it's going to be cruisy. It's going to be relaxed. Yes, there's obviously, you know, there's um, a bit of an internal power power struggle and and all that. There was three three directors in the business, or sorry, three shareholders in the business, Leslie being the majority, myself being uh, the second, and, and, and then another shareholder. And for me, I was like, do you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to put all my time and effort into something again. I want it to be 100% mine. Um, and that's where, so my wife had no idea I was resigning. Right? So literally that, you know, that Wednesday <laughs> afternoon, I'm driving home. As I'm driving home, it takes me about 40 minutes from the office back home. I was on the phone to JobAdder. I set up my JobAdder account. And previously, obviously I had a, you know, a trading ABN that was still obviously active. Guys, this is what I'm thinking what, what of doing. Can you set me up on JobAdder? They did it pretty much instantaneous. So what was wrong with the business you were, that was turning over 10 million that you were the major shareholder? Like, why wasn't that going to be the next collar? Why, why do you need to set up a second company to achieve it? Because I, was, I, I wasn't the major. I was the second largest shareholder in the business. Um, right. But ultimately, there was three decision makers in that business. right? So for me, having, again, run all these other businesses in conjunction, I just felt that the opportunity for me and for my family um, right. was by backing myself and going out and doing it all again. I also believe that learning curve, being on the ground over here in Perth for those five months, I reckon I learned more about 
the recruitment mobilization piece, the speed to market, the high volume accounts that I'd done in 20 years in recruitment. So I was actually really invigorated by being on the ground over here in Perth and actually saw it as a, an awesome opportunity that, yes, we did 10 million in our first 12 months. And this is going to sound a little bit arrogant. I'm not arrogant in any shape, way or form, but the reality was, mate, we could have done 20 million had we have implemented some of the changes, some of the systems, some of the processes um, that I was looking at doing. So rather than kind of continue to, um, you know, have red tape to get through from a decision-making point of view, it's why are you making this a lot harder than what it needs to be? Like recruitment's a people, it's a people business. Um, mm. You know, the, the hiring, for example, in that business, we you know, they went through over 40 consultants um, inside the six months when I was over on the East Coast. You know, so when I came over, I thought, well, maybe it's just a management issue. And again, we could talk about that at another stage, but there's a number of reasons why I decided. But for me personally, it was that, um, you know, the opportunity to to become a father and to really leave a legacy um, is something that I've never been more passionate about and something that, you know, again, like I said, there was as if I needed to prove to myself what I was capable of doing. And, you know, I'm dyslexic and I don't know whether that's got a big, big part in the drive behind me, but I'm, I'm very much a, a perfectionist when it comes to uh, recruiting, recruiting methodology, the branding. And I saw this as an awesome opportunity. And again, during COVID, the conversations, some of the accounts that are brought in in this previous business were arguably some of the largest accounts in the in industry. And I'd gone out there, business development, brought them in myself. So I think there was that and um, that niggle again going, hold on a minute, like this this is working, but do you think you could do it better? And quite frankly, I did think I could do it better. Um, and that that was what was a, a big driver behind it all. Exciting. I love it. I mean, it's it's I've never met anyone, I don't think, who's done as much in that period of time in so many different businesses and and you know you talk about it so level-headedly like we could we could literally have an episode on every single brand you've spoken about right but what i really want to get into is the collar brand so we've done half we've done half the episode on the on the history and then we're at collar right so you found out you're pregnant you're handing your notice you can set up job adder on the, on the on the journey back um you don't waste any time do you so you're uh what what happens next Sweet. I guess the the first two months of the business was okay let, let's and again bear in mind i've scaled the kona and co brand scaled the tail of resources brand which were all done really on linkedin that's how we yeah. managed to penetrate the market and get the brands out yeah, there yeah, yeah. being a big linkedin advocate and again like yeah, this i don't understand why more businesses aren't utilizing which is arguably the the best business it's bonkers, isn't it? in recruiting it's, it's, it's my life the my life conversation it's insane my life's conversation right now. Like the amount of yeah. people, the amount of people saying to me, yeah, we know we need to do it. We need to invest in it, but we'll, you know, we need to sell first. And I'm like, you, why are you separating the two things? Like LinkedIn is your sales engine for most businesses I talk to. Like, you spend more money on it than, than human capital. You, you know, you find all your candidates and clients on there. It's only going to get more competitive on there. Like, you've got to go now and they're like well let's just sell and then we'll pick it up in a bit and i'm like oh unbelievable but anyway that's the world so go back to, sorry to interrupt you but go back to where you were yeah yeah you're right mate um so that's what the the, the initial strategy was right so um first two months systems process procedures my first hire that i made in the business was my graphic designer and um, who's now our design director and um, so for me i wanted to 
I'd already done quite a bit of research in regards to these large volume accounts, large volume recruitment, and who was doing it well. And it always stemmed back to the Chandler McClouds, the Hazes of the world. Okay, so what makes them so great? How do they do things so well? And obviously, yes, it's the, the level and knowledge of experience of the recruiters that they hire and train and arguably the best training platform or best training of recruitment. Um, um, for me personally, Hayes is arguably the, the best recruitment firm. Um, and most of the successful leaders in, in my spaces or the industries that I've recruited for have all come from Hayes. So um, really doing some analysis, doing some research, um, you know, what makes these businesses so great? Um, and that was really what the first two months were, getting the brand out there and you know, getting the marketing right and starting to identify um, key key players in the industry that I wanted to, obviously wanted to bring into what, the business. What were the blue, the, you said blue collar, this was blue collar, so this was different. Yes. So yeah. what, what exact roles and type of organizations was the plan to work with? So I, I guess, you know, my, my first clients that I actually signed, um, which were on retainers, um, now, you know, they obviously the recruitment industry very well in the UK, mate. Um, obviously, in Australia, blue collar retain work is is non pretty much non-existent. So what I was doing, I was putting a white collar spin on a large volume blue collar market. I was going out speaking to these clients and listening to what their pain points are. And their pain points are, well, you know, we're not the best payers in the industry. The recruiters don't seem to be delivering any any good candidates to us. And, you know, the, the majority of the reasons behind that were, well, what? What are the margins? What are the charge rates? What are the pay rates? What are the payment terms? Um, you know, what level of exclusivity are you giving to your recruiters to actually make it commercially viable for them to invest money into building a team around your business? So very much an exec search, white collar, again, kind of all brought together. Um, when we say blue and, collar, what are we talking like? Logistics, oh, electric, electric, electricians, carpenters, chefs, right. cooks, right. Um, you know, cleaners. Um, and, and that's really what, you know, what has enabled us to, again, have that point of difference where, um, you know, a lot of the larger organizations in Australia have taken it for granted that they've got these accounts and these accounts aren't going anywhere. And, you know, through no fault of their own, COVID has obviously come around and candidates have been or the employees have been overpromised and, um, you know, maybe mistreated during COVID. And whether that's working from home restriction or not working from home, you have to be in the office. Um, you know, everyone's kind of panic stations, you know, um, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a recession? You know, so I've really seen that as an, an opportune timing um, to go in there and actually headhunt. So as, as a business, I think we're up to not even 10% of our team have come through RecDirect, mate. Uh, the majority of them will come directly to us um, or have come through referrals um, or somebody in the business has, obviously has recommended somebody into the business. So, you, so you're um, going out, you personally start the business. Do you? Have you took any investment externally or is it all your own cash that, to set this up? Uh, today, all, all, everything um, is from myself. What, was, so, what sort of capital did you have behind or did you need to get this off the ground? Because you've, yeah. you've, you've, you must have hired so fast where you were not making any money for a while. 100, 100% mate. I mean, for, for me, again, being in that blue collar space or large volume space, um, there's so many options out there, so, you know, whether that's banks, whether that's VC, whether that's, you know, um, invoice financing or basically a finance partner. So I'd work very closely with the A-positive guys um, and Danny, Danny Marlowe and Darren uh, Cottrell, A-positive, have been incredible. I, I've basically launched multiple businesses, all with that invoice factoring uh, service basically provided by A-positive. So, again, they were one of the first phone calls that I made. Um, yep. And we got that basically set up straight away. What that allowed me to do was was really then compete with the larger organizations. 
you know, the organizations that could really create 90 day payment terms um, through the factoring facility or through the finance facility. Um, and that already gave us a huge competitive advantage when, um, you know, we're going into see clients and literally the first conversations are, oh, you do know our payment terms are X, Y, Z. It's like, yeah, payment terms aren't an issue. We need to talk about basically the volume. We need to talk about the exclusivity. We need to talk about your pay rates, ultimately what our margins are going to be, because it needs to be commercially viable uh, for, for everyone involved. Then in conjunction, obviously, with a lot of the retain work that was coming through. How do you get? Um, how do you even get into those conversations when you've got a business that's a couple of months old, no collar track record? Hmm. Like you're going up against Chandler McClouds and Robert Walters and Hayes and Randstad and these brands that are, you know, they're, they're under the, they're, they've been in the part of the furniture in Australia for a long time. How do you get in the room? Is it based on your experience through your previous? Like, did you know a lot of these people already? I, I believe, I believe so, mate. Yeah. Look, and, and again, this is all fairly new to me. Like, um, I'm I'm back on the tools. Um, I'm you know out there business developing. Um, you know, speaking to key decision makers in businesses, and maybe they're giving me an opportunity to have a sit down and have a coffee and have a chat with them based on my background, based on you know the previous track record. There's you know, a number of accounts that I'm working with now that I've actually recruited for for over 20 years. But initially, when Collar first launched, these, I was going after you know some of the the, the biggest blue chip uh, names in the industry um, because I was going to them with a solution and I was actually getting wins. And again, LinkedIn had a huge part to play mm. in that. Mate. LinkedIn allowed me to tell my story in conjunction with Emma, the brand um, you know the brand guru behind the business. She's able to bring my ideas to life. And I was when I'm speaking to these organizations about what their pain points are, well, let's address that now and actually do a big, big solutions focus. Cliche, I know, and everyone's screaming that from the top of the hills, but we were able to really go in there and go, you know, well, why do you think your current providers aren't supplying? Why, why is your panel basically not fulfilling most of these requirements? And the majority of the time it was, well, because they've probably got other suppliers that are paying them a higher margin or better payment terms. or So I saw that as a real opportunity to actually kind of educate them in regards to how we operate as a business. And, you know, I remember going to see one of my first clients, mate, I won't name who they are, but um, arguably one of the, the largest mining contractors in Australia. And I, I managed to get you know, a seat at the table over this meeting and we we're talking about how we're going to join the panel. And then, you know, they said, so from how many contractors do you have out at the moment? And I'm I was literally two weeks, two weeks into starting inboards. I think we had 10 contractors. Out. And I went, well, you know, you do know we've got over 400 people out at the moment through labor hire. And I was like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly the type of account that I'm looking for. Now I appreciate it's, you know, you've got a tr trial and error. And obviously we've got to prove to you what we're capable of doing. Um, but that's, that's what has been our success is the actual deliver delivering on what we say we're going to do. Not just giving yeah. it lip service, actually backing it up. Um, you know, and making the placements, but it's that follow-up as well. It's that candidate care. It's um, like you said, there's no one solution to this problem. You've got to address it from multiple avenues. And, um, and that's what we've been doing. I'm interrupting today's episode to bring you a message from our sponsor, Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one recruitment platform for the most innovative recruitment agencies on the planet. And they've put together a free CRM buyer's guide for you to read because so many recruitment leaders are looking to upgrade CRMs, but before you sign the contract, be sure to read the terms at least twice. There's so many common traps that you need to watch out for. So not understanding the pricing model is one that always comes up. Discounts limited to only the first year of a contract length is something that companies will throw. What are monthly contracts all about? Could this mean flexibility for the vendor to raise the price in the future? 
And how is your data hosted? Where is it? Is it anything outside your country? And could it mean compliance and legal issues for you down the line? So you will see the web address to get that right next to this episode. Wherever you're watching this episode, whether it's on LinkedIn, with Apple, Spotify, YouTube, just look below, you'll see the link, click the link and get that free guide. You will not regret learning all of these hacks before making your decision and locking yourself into a new contract with a new supplier. So take us on like a logical, chronological order of events. So you start the business in the summer. You spent, you say you spent two months on systems and processes. So that is like, just make sure everything's connected. You understand every part of your business theoretically before you go into, into practice. Um, yeah, you so I get, I, set up, your compliance yeah. set up, your CRM set yep. up, everything's there, ready to yep. just run. Then what was it when it comes to then September time, August, September time, when you're starting to go out and generate revenue to invoice in October, how many people are in the business at that point? Uh, there was three. So first so first hire was my graphic designer. Um, mm. Second hire was um, my previous business partner's executive assistant. Um, right. So it was a bit of a Jerry Maguire moment once I exited the business. Um, she then basically put her hand up and said, look, I'd love to come with you. So it was myself and Rachel initially. Um, and from there, just before Christmas, we got up to a team of about six. Um, and then that's where that's where the growth is obviously all happened really from from January of this year. So did you win a few accounts in the back end of last year that obviously provided that stability that enabled you to Absolutely. go on? And... Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So um, and, and again, that was obviously very much white collar revenue coming in, but into a, a, a relatively easy blue collar market to fill. So I'll give you an idea going into companies that were looking for truck drivers, so MC truck drivers. So, uh, you know, the iron ore comes out of the ground. Well, infrastructure, rail infrastructure is pretty much non-existent in Australia. So how do they get that iron ore to, to the ports to then ship? Well, it's all done by road train. So road train being, you know, quads, basically, you know, semi-trailers all have MC drivers. So this one company in particular was struggling to find MC drivers, just picked up a huge contract. And um, I'd got in a position that would find you 10, basically, MC drivers, but I want, a, a payment up front and then from there we did that at a, a, a discounted rate which was still commercially viable and actually a decent rate for a blue collar uh, basically permanent position um, we then got the first 10 filled and we actually filled them uh, all within two weeks they then retained us again and then from there that kind of got out to industry well as long as there's large volume there and yes obviously there's a you know there's a price to pay and it's a retained model but we were delivering and we were getting you know number of client feedbacks uh, then remarketing that feedback so you know clients for example a client called us up and they literally they they would be the largest facilities management company globally they reached out to us on um through our website but based on activity we'd been doing on linkedin and said hey we've got 180 positions for you to get stuck into would you be interested in coming in and actually recruiting for us um we had a call with them. They said, how many do you have available at the moment? And we had, I think we had about 11 people who were suitable for to fill these roles. In the space of four working days, so by close of business on that Friday, we'd mobilized 83 people to their site. Now, that's, bear in mind, we had a relatively small team back then as well. So it's, it's knowing which battles to pick um, and, again, knowing your worth in the industry, not underpricing. We're certainly not the cheapest in the industry. We're certainly the, the most expensive in the industry. Um, but it's all about the level of knowledge and experience. So, again, one of my first hires, and she's just celebrated her first um, 12 months with the, with the business today. She was Hayes' top three billers nationally. 
Um, you know, and for somebody like Carly to leave a very stable and very secure job at Hayes to come into our business, which is obviously a startup, is a bit risky for her. But, you know, she's now sitting in an associate director role and, you know, she's doing an incredible job. She's got, you know, one of the largest teams in our business underneath her. She's now managing some of the largest accounts in Australia. And um, that's that's been our strategy is we identify who the key players are. We offer them a solution, which again, our commission structure would be unheard of. We we offer ten percent of all gross profit, um, basically generated, um, which is paid on a monthly basis. Um, and we go and we target high performing recruiters. You know, if you've got a million dollar biller in your business, you're going to do to keep the lights on and uh, ultimately, obviously, keep the, the operating um, expenses running. You know, we, we've got double digits million dollar billers in our business now, um, and again, they, they've all come from. Some of these large nationals, multinationals, internationals, which um, all they need to do, obviously, they're going to have a restraint. And, you know, obviously, we're very mindful of everyone's restraint. We would never expect anyone to bring any you know, any business into our organization because we've actually got most of the accounts there. Um, so, you know, for us, it's offering them a come and work in a business that's going to look after you financially. Um, mental health is something that we're really big on. And, um, you know, so free EAP systems or employee assistance program. Um, basically for the whole entire casual workforce. Now, we all know if somebody's affected with mental health, it's not just the individual, it'd be their household. So we offer that. We're the only recruitment agency in Australia who offers free EAP to casuals and also to their entire um, household as well. So we get that employee engagement strategy right. We get that well-being right. And investors in people, you know, obviously we just won uh, two gold accreditations for investors in people, one for we invest in our people, one for our well-being of our people. We're also accredited as a great place to work inside the last 12 months. And um, obviously we've got our ISO accreditation. So the reason why I'm sharing all this with you, mate, because that speaks volumes to our in internal employees. And if we get that internal employee engagement right and that retention right, um, then they're going to be the ones doing the marketing for us and have all these, I guess, individuals reach out to us directly wanting to come along and work uh, work in the collar business. Um, you know, the 3 p.m. finish on a Friday, again, it's a no-brainer. Like most people in most recruitment businesses I've ever been a part of come 12 o'clock on a Friday, they're, yeah. they're already That's checked the out. They've checked well. out for the weekend. Yeah, so, you know, it's the 3 p.m. finish. It's It's something, it's... Yes, there's a cost to the business, but the impact that has and the obviously, you know, the return on that for us as an organization is huge. Um, you know, the extended annual leave. Um, the so we we're just talking about it um yesterday. So we actually closed down, obviously you've got the public holidays anyway, but the week in between from Christmas Eve to the first working day um in January is additional annual leave given off by the business. So that's on top of the 20 days annual leave. Um, you know, historically, what is frowned upon in, in any business if people take their sick leave? Well, in Australia, it's contracted that, you you know, you're entitled to 10 days sick leave every single year. But I don't know of a business that, you know, obviously um, encourages people to take those 10 days sick leave. So for us, we do. And we call them mental health days. And you, you can take that on top of your annual leave. Um, you know, so you're already clocking up. You get your birthday off as well. You're already clocking up you know, north of uh, six weeks worth of annual leave by doing exactly the same job, but for a, a different business and a different brand. Being privately owned, um, we don't have all that red tape to get through. You know, somebody comes up with an idea, a suggestion in our business, if it's commercially viable and it makes sense and it's, you know, it's good business sense, then let's just implement it. Um, so let's go back again, no brainer. Let's go back a bit. But let's go back to this time last year. So you're going into Christmas. You said you had about six people back end of last year. Yeah, you are obviously very much on the tools. You're driving. Are you find. Are you finding candidates as well? Like you're doing that. You finding drivers, yes. drivers, and stuff. Are you doing that bit, or are you just? Have you got other people? Well, doing that? 
no, mate. So October, I don't mind sharing this with you. October, I had my, actually had my pers personal best in recruitment. So I built $134,000 in perm revenue in the month of October. And, and again, bear in mind, that was our first month that we started billing. So it, it all comes back to, um, to you know, me um, wanting to back myself. And again, feeling like I had something to prove. Um, yeah. and, and I don't I don't think I'll ever lose that kind of drive. And, um, you know, it, even today, my, I'm, I still business development. I, I still love making a placement as much as the next person in this business. There's nothing in collar that I would ever ask anyone to do that I'm not willing to do myself. And I, and I think that's what's so refreshing and why so many people have brought into what we're doing as an organization because they all feel um, they all feel and share the responsibility of making collar the business that it is today. No one person is bigger than this business, not even myself. And I've said that time and time again. But you know, without the team I've got around me, we wouldn't. We, we just wouldn't been able to achieve um, the numbers that not only are we doing today, but where we're projected to go over the next 12, 24 and 36 months, which is, so what, which is what, incredible. I mean, the numbers we're going to be doing over the next 12. Sorry, mate. It was a bit of a delay on the sound. So I think you're picking me up a bit, about 10 seconds after I'm saying something, but what sort of tell, talk me through the team. So me through the team and the foundations you had to lay early to be able to scale because yeah. You, you can't get to 100 people in a year if you're the man who's doing 100 grand a month. Like, if that's all you're doing, you're billing, it's, you need to have a team around you, right, that can ensure that the business has all the relevant touch points and training points and support points to to scale. I like Obviously, looking at the things that the guys at Levin have done, they've got this, like, unique team structure of pure support people that walk the floor all day and... And so they can take 30, 40 graduates every couple of weeks or every couple of months and bring them into the company and get them up and running. It, it's bonkers how they've done it. How are you going from zero or six to 100 people in 12 months? What's the, what's the support layer these people are getting to get up and running as fast as possible? Sorry, sorry Matt. I, I missed all that. It just kept breaking up. Um... Lost you, mate. Can you hear me now? Uh, there you go. You're back again. <clears throat> I think it's got to be your end because my end, I, I mean, I record this every week. I never have any issues. So it must be your end of the internet. But the um, I'm asking about the, the support layer for you to go from six to 100 people. How do you do that? What people do you need in your business to support that growth? What are this? What's the team structure and what are the non-billing components, et cetera, to ensure that people can come in and grow fast? So the the first um, senior hires that I made in the business were uh, my director of health and safety and my director of well-being, as in company well-being. Now, mm -hmm. Krillos and Amanda had actually worked side by side um, at Hayes, um, basically for um, over seven years. So Amanda was at Hayes for 10 years and Krillos was at Hayes for seven years. Now, arguably the two most experienced people in large volume mobilization recruitment businesses in Australia, never mind in WA. So both of them were absolutely risky moves for both of them to leave you know, a very stable job like Hayes and come into a startup. Um, but set the foundations for us that the message we were sending to market to all of our clients being that health and safety of, of our employees is our number one priority and um, 
has really set the benchmark for us to be able to go after some of these larger volume accounts. So to the directors of, so our first hire, basically director of it in industry was director of facilities management. And that was Abigail Ryan, who's arguably, be, arguably been one of the, the best hires we've made as a business. So Abby started with our FM or started as our director of facilities management back in January. Um, and has now grown that business to a multi-million dollar uh, basically revenue stream across Australia. And Abigail's recently been uh, promoted into an executive director role and also given equity in the, in the whole business um, as right. a thank you for all the hard work and everything that she's done um, in scaling that. On the back end of Abby coming, in, coming on board, um, we then basically hired our directors of. Um, so directors of, meaning that they're, they're responsible for running their own states. We have a director of uh, WA, Rachel Jones. Rachel is again an absolutely incredible hire she was at chanda mcleod for um you know seven or eight years again had a job for life no real reason for her to leave other than she wanted to be part of something uh, bigger better and obviously greater um and actually be able to see um, and kind of you know be responsible for her own success um james who was our director of um, new south wales well james previously worked for me before in design and construct started with me as a principal recruitment consultant made it up to state manager in three years um, he then went on to one of our competitors um, and was their director of for about two years. Um, and then obviously once he realized I was opening up in Sydney and uh, reached out to me and basically, again, no brainer. James has um, single-handedly grown his team now to over 18 inside three months. Um, and the, a team has followed him across, um, you know, obviously from where he was previously working. Our director of Victoria, um, you know, Peter um, has only worked for two agencies his whole career. Um, he's Spent 18 years at Hayes and left Hayes to come in, come and actually join Collis. So he's our director um, of Victoria. And again, having those key and instrumental hires with that knowledge and that experience coming into our business has absolutely created that ripple effect in the industry where people are actually stopping and taking, you know, taking note of who we are and what we're about. Um, and has opened up the floodgates for recruiters wanting to, you know, reach out to us directly and, you know, be part of this journey, be part of this success. Um, and and they, so to answer your question, that those hires have been what has allowed us to scale because they're the ones that are responsible for their day-to-day -day and basically regards to day-to-day -day management, training, our national learning training development director, Kerry. Um, you know, Kerry's worked for me in four of my other previous businesses um, and again, knows how I operate, knows how I work. Um, and from a systems processes compliance point of view, she's the one who's kind of championing everyone, the induction, the onboarding, to make sure we're all um, you know singing from the same hymn sheet and so there's a lot of experienced talent at the top are you then going after experienced hires throughout the whole company or have you got a graduate training model what's the what's the way you're doing it yeah mate i've got to hold my hand up that's probably where we have got it wrong and um, is the you know the the least experienced recruiters coming through and that's probably where our biggest turnover has been is you know recruiters with less than six months experience um, and it, I think because of the nature of the beast that, that is collar and the size of the accounts that we've got, un unfortunately, a lot of these um, you know, obviously accounts really need to have that knowledge and that experience to really understand and appreciate just uh, you know, how much risk is involved, the safety, the compliance, the mobilization. Um, and the, the account managers, so the business is very much set up as an account management model. We go out, we win the accounts, we bring the accounts in, we go to market, identify who's key players, who've I've had exposure to those types of accounts previously and actually bring them in either as a you know a, as an account manager or as a recruitment mobilization person under those accounts. Um, 
But again, you know, to have north of 400 years worth of recruitment knowledge and experience under the Kohler business, it's all about hiring experienced recruiters who understand, you know, the complexities and the, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of dealing with, you know, some of these large volume businesses that, um, you know, we have KPIs that are given to us from these, um, from these businesses. And we, we have to adhere to those. And unfortunately, sometimes training um, inexperienced recruiters is a little bit challenging to bring them up to speed with the level of expectation that is required for us um, you know, to maintain those relationships. Now, you know, absolutely, we've looked back over and that's why we've put Kerry into this uh, learning training development role is, um, you know, we've got a learning management system over 700 hours worth of recruitment training videos on the intellectual property to the recruitment excellence guide. Um, so, you know, that's a 300-page recruitment training manual that basically we've put together that now everyone's been trained on. So it doesn't matter whether you're a junior all the way through to, you know, director, you've got a dedicated career pathway and training course. So the training part of the business now is something we're invested heavily into. Uh, we've got a new training system that's going to be going live that the whole business is now involved in, uh, their input, their guidance. Um, and again, you know, the old saying goes, we're only as good as our last placement. So we want to make sure that, you know, we're doing more to upskill and train um, some of the more junior people that are coming into the business and make sure they're not like, being left behind by the more experienced individuals um, that are literally coming in and hitting the ground running from day one. You know, look, we had somebody start with us last week, mate, and on her second day made her first placement. Um, you know, we've got people coming into the business that have been working for the same organizations for, for a number of years and considered to be a high performer in their businesses that are coming in, breaking the personal best inside the first month, two months, uh, three that? months. We've got people that are having, you know, I'd like to say I know, I know the answer, mate. Um, other than the branding and marketing that we do, um, you know, it, it's we're getting on average about three to five new client inquiries come through to our come through to our business on a weekly basis. And I think that, again, is one of our biggest competitive advantages where if you work for a larger organization, not only do you have a geographical restriction, so i.e. if that's outside of basically that geographical location, it has to get handed over to a different office. Oh, sorry, that, that position's got a certain salary bandwidth, so it needs to go to a different department. And because of the way the businesses are all set up, it actually makes it very challenging for somebody to be a, a true traditional 360 recruiter across multiple industries and multiple geographical restrictions or locations. For us, our, our favorite saying is, you know, if it's not in the database, they're there for the taking. So everyone's earning opportunity in color is already exponentially greater than what it would be working for one of these large nationals, multinationals, international firms, because they, they've already got their directors of, they've already got their associate directors, they've already got the team leads. For us, we're a brand new business. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of putting the infrastructure in place to offer people those career development opportunities um, so they can further enhance their skill set, their knowledge. Um, you know, again, the commission structures that we offer for the first half a million dollars, anyone in the business, mate, they get 10 percent. Once they build half a million dollars, it jumps up to 15 percent. Once they build a million dollars GP for the business, it jumps up to 20 percent. Once you're in that 20 percent bracket range with no no threshold, you're literally the top five percent of earning recruiters in the whole of Australia. And um, now, obviously, that only works for us as a business if we've got a team of high performing recruiters who are consistently achieving and exceeding basically their own PBs and, and their own targets. And, um, you know, so it doesn't matter whether it takes you 12 months to build half a million dollars or it takes you 12 or sorry, 24 months, you would still get that 10 percent. But as soon as you've hit that that cap of 500,000, there's never any going back. You then go straight to the next tier, which is 15 percent. And again, like you could be on 15 percent until it takes as long as it takes you to get to the million dollar mark. Um, but having that 
kind of you know treating everyone as an adult and giving them the, their own autonomy to really grow business within the business is I think what's so exciting and what's um, you know being one of our biggest talent attraction models is people can see their earning potential. So I'll give you an idea, right? So a design and construct, say your average base salary was eighty thousand dollars. So three times threshold, that's two hundred and forty thousand dollars a year. That's twenty thousand dollars a month they would all have to earn before they see any commission. Well. If you're on the threshold at the moment, by coming into a Collar Talent Group, you're getting 10% of that $240,000 just by joining our business without actually having any target or without doing any more work. So you're already getting a $24,000 pay rise is, is the way I, I'm kind of seeing it. Right? So when I'm ed educating people and speaking to people about the earning opportunity within this business, it's like no, no other business out there. Now, we're obviously I mean, no, no threshold. Now let's say in the UK, a no threshold is pretty normal now. That's becoming pretty standard, yeah. right? That is not, Nate, yeah, that. Speak, speak to Pete Watson. He's obviously Mr. Rec to Rec, obviously, for Australia. He'd be able to give you a good good indication. And from what I understand, mate, we're, there isn't too many businesses offering that in Australia. So really? maybe, you know, we've kind of got in there, we got in there early, um, and that's what's obviously allowing us to, you know, attract hmm. these types of individuals. Um, but it, it's definitely a, a big, it's a big motivator for all the conversations that I'm having. I mean, in the new year, we're, we're launching software and IT. We're launching government. Um, so the, the guy that we've got coming in heading our government up um, is arguably the number one recruiter in government in the whole of Australia. Um, and it, again, like it, it absolutely phenomenal, incredible recruiter who would have had a job for life where he is, but at the same time, he's wanting to create his own legacy and leave something for his own, you know, for, for generations to come himself. So I think people are really buying into that, that what we're building here we're building, we're not building to exit. So I've got no intentions of exiting this business. And you asked earlier about investors and absolutely, mate, we've got investors keen to come in. And I think that's what, you know, is um, certainly um, reassuring for me as an entrepreneur is to know that, you know, we've got that um, opportunity to, to bring in the external investors should we need. Um, you know, I managed to pick up the, the CEO magazine, CEO Startup of the Year Award. And um, basically at the beginning of November in Sydney. And, and for me, that's probably the highlight of my career. That award is now sitting proudly in my little boy's, you know, bedroom on his on his toy, basically on his bookshelf. And he's the reason why I do what I do every day. So to now have an opportunity to really kind of um, you know, go up against some of these larger global brands is what gets me out of bed every single day. But without losing sight of that work-life balance, mate, like I'm I'm no longer up at four o'clock every single day. And if I am up at four o'clock, um, I'm there with my boy for the first, you know, three hours. Um, and then in the office, like I'm home by three, three o'clock every day to spend that next three hours with my little boy before he goes down. So I've now got my reason why um, and my motivation behind why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I think that just it, it, it then becomes part of the DNA of the business. Um, so let's let's let's. And yeah, I'm obviously going to be biased. To round that up, though, I always want to round up the business model so people understand it. You've got a. You got a, like a, almost like an you got an RPO type model offsite where you 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 know you you sign you've got a BD team who will sign clients and then it moves to a delivery function who will then deliver scalable retained project based solutions right and you're doing that in blue collar areas right now but you're going to be moving into white collar areas with technology government you're going to the same model will it always be the same model or are you going to do some contingent work and so it's not all retained um so that's how it, the business started off so a lot of our work is actually contingency or panel based and um, but you've got to have the team there and that's all speed to market so i.e a client might you know put 100 vacancies out and it's going to be first in best stress.
But the way we've got the account set up, you've got an associate director who then has a team of account managers underneath them. Those account managers are all looking after one individual account. Underneath those account managers, there's a team of recruitment mobilization, which are one person doing a combined job. So they're recruiting, they're sourcing the candidates, they're getting them into the system, compliance mobilization, references, medicals, um, and then obviously that candidate care component to it. They work in conjunction with the account managers. So the account manager, so it's a volume, volume-based kind of business. Now, the white collar and exec search, and for me personally, this is where the excitement is really starting to happen because that's my forte, that's my background. White collar and exec search. So we've just launched exec search on the back end of obviously winning the CEO magazine. No better time for me to obviously to launch the exec search side of the business. Mm. The software and IT is obviously coming on board, as I say, in January, because I've previously had knowledge and experience, um, you know, launching a successful software and IT business. The government side, well, we've already picked up a few government contracts recently, and that's a no-brainer. That's kind of the final piece of the puzzle for us, is to go off, obviously, a, a lot of these kind of, you know, ongoing federal, state, and local government. Um, and then also the office locations, mate. Like we, We're literally the only recruitment agency in Perth, which will actually now have four offices. So we've got three at the moment. There's a fourth in Perth. line basically in January. In Perth, mate. Why so do you need And four? again, the method to... City. Why do you need four? Great, 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 great question. All right. So if you were to speak to somebody from Perth or any major, any other major city, it's, it's the travel location, right? It's the amount of time it takes them to travel to and from work. So for us... We've got an office based in the metro, so bank centre in the metro of the city. We've got one south of the river, which is an hour south. We've got an hour north of the river, so they say the river, which is the dividing part between the city. And then we've got one which is about to open up in Bunbury, which is about three hours south of Perth. So the method to the madness there is whenever I was interviewing recruiters, how far is the office? It's half an hour. That's too far. Well, what do you mean it's too far? Half an hour is... Uh, but in Perth, half an hour is too far. So I wanted to combat that issue that I was going to, that I was experiencing by hiring right. people, by having local offices. Um, and by doing that, it's, it's worked and it's worked really, really well. So we're now replicating that in other businesses, in other states. So Queensland, for example, we've got Gold Coast. We've got Brisbane CBD. We're soon to have um, Mackay opening up. And again, not only is that to service our clientele, but also to make sure we're able to att attract the best consultants. What about Melbourne and Sydney? Melbourne, Sydney. So Sydney, we're in Sydney CBD and Melbourne again. So I've launched businesses from Sydney and I've launched businesses from Melbourne. Melbourne, we're in Richmond, which is kind of, you know, yeah, just know, outside yeah. the, the city fringe. Um, yeah. yeah, great, great location, uh, close to public transport. And that, and that's where we'll be based. Um, I would see uh, well, forever, to be honest with you. Um, Sydney, we're opening up basically. So we've got somebody starting with us on Thursday. Um, who's proved, and this is the thing, mate. So the person who started was on Thursday has actually just left a state management role for a national recruitment firm to come into our as an associate director, because not only is the money earning opportunity there, but the clarity and the um, the no restraint in regards to um, geographical restrictions that getting handed over here, that being shared there, and um, we don't have any of that as long as Collar's making the placement. We'll share the commission. We'll share the love internally, right? Because that, that's ultimately our number one goal. So Sydney, there'll be Sydney CBD, which is Circular Key overlooking the harbour. Mm -hmm. uh, there'll be a Parramatta office, which will be coming online as well, which is more Western and uh, mm. Southwest Sydney. And then we'll also have a Newcastle, which is kind of regional. Um, yeah. And again, it's to, not only to attract the recruiters, but also to service the clients, which that's what everyone's looking out for. The, the Bunbury location, you just give you this as an antidote. So the Bunbury location... We had a client down in Bunbury who said they haven't had a recruiter drive down because it's three hours. 
No recruiters driven down from Perth to see them in over three years. Three years. They're one of the largest accounts that ourselves and a number of our competitors are servicing. So based on that conversation with that client, that's why we decided to go into Bunbury, because we want to have somebody on the ground down there who can be a true account manager, who can hopefully pick up the majority of their work. Now we've actually got somebody who can pop in and say good day and have a coffee with them. It's it's not rocket science, you know. How do you create a culture? Because it's a bit like a remote business in a way, when you got that many offices in one country. Like, what? How are you going to make sure everyone's got? Like, how do you how do you make sure these offices are culturally similar? And because someone in Bunbury, I imagine, is very different to someone on Circular Quay in Sydney. Like, it's a different world. One hundred percent. And and again, I think because. like I said, I've got over 20 people in the business who've previously worked for me before. So my whole operations team have all worked for me before. My COO was my 2IC design and construct, Preston James 420. Right. My general manager was my um, AR, basically manager. I stayed on with it. So that that whole team over on the East Coast have all worked for me before in multiple businesses. Over here in the West Coast, well, again, I'm, I'm leading from the front. I've got basically the director of uh, WA who, who's – a female version of me culture is king and culture in this business is is paramount that what's that's what makes us so great so things like you know the great place to work accreditation the investors in people we invest in our well-being we invest in our people accreditation that that's our business being audited from the inside out that's them asking questions to our internal staff what makes this company so great things would you change what don't you like what do you like so the fact that we've we are the only recruitment agency in Australia to have the investors and people accreditation, which, you know, that's cost us tens of thousands of dollars to get that accreditation. But we want to be able to shout that from the hilltops, just what the culture is like in this business. Um, and again, you know, going back to what we're saying, there's nothing in this business I, you know, I would ask anyone to do that I'm not willing to do myself. Um, and I think that true leadership leading from the front um, is what keeps the culture kind of unite and keeps that team collaboration going. And don't get me wrong, mate, we, we don't always get it right. I'm not here saying that we've got the perfect model. We don't. We're, we're learning as we go. But, you know, what people need to, to realise is we are we are still a startup. Yes, we might have all this knowledge and experience and, you know, a great number of FTEs at all these offices, but we're still very much learning as we go. And it's that feedback which is critical. You know, we've got close to 250, you know, Google reviews. Again, Google reviews is something that's been around for years and years and years. But, you know, these companies that have been established for 10, 15, 20 years, mate, they, they might have two or three Google reviews. So we're utilizing technology. We're utilizing, utilizing the marketing of the business to really kind of sell our story and our message. You know, look at our TikToks. Look at our basically, you know, LinkedIn page. Um, you know, again, for LinkedIn to tell us we're literally the fastest um, privately owned uh, recruitment agency in Australia, I think it speaks volumes that, you know, everyone might be asked, Ephraim, does he ever stop posting on LinkedIn? Well, the reason why I'm doing it is because it's it's making me money. Like yeah, it's making yeah, yeah. the business money. It's making it's attracting recruiters into the business. Why wouldn't you do it? I don't do Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. No. My social media is LinkedIn. As sad as that may sound, no, um, but it makes it makes it makes money. So why not do it? Hundred percent. But what what I'll be honest. But I'm burning question in my head is are you, are you have you made any money yet? Is it is it is it in profit yet? And 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 if it is, when does it reach that point? Because it sounds like you've pumped so much money into so many people and yeah you're gonna do deals but i know obviously with the payment terms and the way that you you're structuring it and it turnover is massive that doesn't translate into gross profit necessarily the same rate what is it what has it actually generated in terms of money in in that time because you've got such an impressive top line view what's it really doing 
revenues, mate, revenues, vanity, profit, sanity. Right? Yeah. Let, let's yeah. Let, let's not beat around the bush. This business w- will absolutely be not just one of the fastest growing recruitment agencies or the fastest growing recruitment agency in Australia, but it'll also be one of the most profitable. Um, our, our goals are to be at a thousand daily timesheets, um, basically by 30 June next year. Um, right. And then the following year, following June, we're going to be at 2000 uh, daily timesheets. Now that's just purely on a, a casual blue collar. Now from a, a profitability point of view, obviously, you know, c- c- a lot of this stuff is a commercial in confidence, but, we wouldn't be growing at the rate that we're growing and be able to attract the level of knowledge and experience into our business if we weren't onto a winner. Now, again, the fact that I've got a you know a very solid team of advisors, so you know, from my from my legal in-house counsel to my accountants who are all singing from the same hymn sheet, right? We're, we're just about to bring in basically a potential north of a hundred million dollars in contracts basically into the business in the next 12 to 24 months. Like that that's immense that's huge with it with a gp of 12 percent. so again do the math there's 12 million dollars gross profit everyone can get the calculator out and obviously do how much it's obviously going to cost for a, an average fte here in australia now you know i'm a, I'm a driving around in a lamborghini no i'm not mate i'm probably one of the most grounded down to earth um you know i guess recruitment business owners and that that won't ever change now to answer your question when i was in sydney like there's it's a different it's a different market here in wa it's local right so we're a local business supporting local talent and we'll and we'll never lose sight of that now the business again um you know foundations are down now now this is where all the fun fun starts to happen um are we going to double in size in the next 18 months I'd say so, mate. Absolutely. Given the contracts that we've got, given basically, you know, the the feedback that we're getting from within industry, the opportunity for us to scale literally one of Australia's largest recruitment agencies is is no longer a pipe dream. It's actually a reality. And I think as long as I can keep surrounding myself with these advisors that have only got my best interest at heart and my little boy's best interest at heart and ultimately the business best interest at heart, um, then I think really the sky is the limit. And, and for me personally, mate, that's probably what, they, um, what is the most exciting thing about where we're at with Collet is the opportunity that is in front of us. It is it's just immense. So I know I've danced around that, mate. I haven't really given you the answer that you were looking for in regards to financials. But well, um, I, I, you know, are you in profit yet or is it next year? Like, have you met? Because I'll be, I'll be, when, when I interviewed DSP, 2020. 2023, mate, is, yeah. is when we'll be basically yeah. turning a profit, 100%. Because, yeah, you know, life science people isn't too, isn't too dissimilar to you. David Spencer Percival from Spencer Ogden, and he, you know, he was very open. He put, I think, 1.6 million in, and it, it took, I think, 18 months in, and it, it was about to turn into profit, right? And you've got to, people want to know, like, it sounds fucking brilliant, but when do you see money off of, when it, with a model like yours? Um, so it'll be next year. And I, look, you're building something for the future. You're building something with a legacy. You've already said all these things. So you're not in it for the quick book, right? You're in it to, you're building something mega that you want to say, look at what, this is the one of the biggest, most impressive businesses across Australia. That that does, that does takes this kind of focus and effort and financial what, backing. What, what, 100%, mate. Especially inside, like, obviously, an 18-month period as well. Um, so let's get into the mental, the personal side of it. Because I, I, I really liked where you were going, but I wanted to, just get that bit done right so and we are going a bit longer than my normal episodes i hope you're okay with that i'm just I've, i want to i want to just dig a little bit further so you mentioned work-life balance you've got a son you mentioned you finish at three like growing in 18 months to 100 staff whilst being a, a new father that mm. and, and a husband and all the things that come with it there's some real challenge there so let's go yeah. tell us about your 
your kind of routine, if you like, of how you set your day up, your week up, your month up to ensure that you're not burning too far at one end and you, your business isn't suffering, your family life's not suffering. What, what's your strategy? So for me, for me personally, mate, I've got an incredible wife and, and without her by my side, I wouldn't have been able to achieve anything close to what we've done with Collar. And, you know, they say what behind every you know, successful entrepreneur is an even, you know, obviously greater, obviously, you know, partner, woman. Like for me, she's the rock of everything I do. Um, and again, going back to what we're saying earlier, you can't put a price on happiness. So for me to be completely grounded um, and supported from a home life, um, even with a little boy now, it is what we're growing together as a family is what's, what makes this so exciting. You know, um, previously, mate, and, and again, like in my, in my previous marriage, we were together 15 years, um, probably came into the office four times in over 15 years. Um, you know, for, for me, Amanda, it, she eats, sleeps, breathes, collar as much as I do. It's, it's not all that we talk about, don't get me wrong, but we're both as passionate about this business as each other. So to have that support absolutely is probably fundamentally what has allowed me to, to put the amount of time and effort into that I've done. Now, initially, when I first started Call It, it, it was you know, 15, 16 hour days. There's no ifs or buts. Um, but then obviously came along you know, Finn, my little boy, um, and it's put my whole life into perspective. Um, I'm up at four o'clock every day. I have been, I, I always have been, I, I think I always will be. I'm an early riser. Um, but rather than putting those couple of hours into, you know, getting myself kind of set up for the day, checking emails, it's literally grounding myself. Obviously, meditation is a, a key thing that I you know, obviously do. And, um, you know, obviously eating healthy, making sure that I'm, you know, taking time out basically to kind of reconnect with myself and, um, you know, and then spending the last couple of hours of a day just kind of re rehashing things that have happened during the day you know could i have done done that differently could i have spoken you know, a bit differently here what if i you know gone down that road and then kind of drawing a line in the sand and going okay well you know i've got to be present and um, literally there's no point in worrying about what happened yesterday or even thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow i've got to be present in this current day so what's happening right now can that can have the biggest impact on my life um, is something that I'm, I'm really passionate about. So again, having that quality of work-life balance, cliche, I know, um, you know, weekends now where I was used to working every single weekend, I'm now spending, you know, quality time with the family. Um, and I'd love to say I get up to all these, you know, wonderful, great things, but mate, I'm a homebody. My wife's a homebody. We love spending time at home with our little boy. And for me, and don't get me wrong, on Sunday night, I'm kind of, you know, mentally preparing for the week that's ahead. Um, but because I've got such an incredible team around me, um, we all do it together. You know, we're always on regular meetings and, you know, we're always helping each other out. Burnout is, is so prevalent in recruitment. So how do we manage that? Is it giving somebody a day off? Is it telling them, you know, we're not going to do the sales meeting this week because I know how under the pump everyone is. Um, I know the numbers are there and I know what we're up to. So again, I think it's just having that flexibility and that genuine, you know, I give a shit kind of mentality, mate, to, um, yeah, to, to manage burnout to the best of our ability. Sounds, it sounds like you're busy, but yeah, you've got a strategy around it. What about um, travel? Because if you've got nine offices, how often are you on the road meeting those offices? So um, wherever I travel, my wife and my, my little boy comes with me. Um, and that is, that, that's just a non-negotiable for me. Because um, for me personally, like, I want to... I don't want to miss out on the on the time with my little boy. And, um, you know, he's just starting to to crawl. He's obviously first words are coming out of his mouth. I'd be absolutely devastated if I missed that because 
what's the point in me doing all the stuff that I'm doing if I'm not getting that reward? And again, for me, mate, it's always been a lifelong dream for me to be a father. So to actually now have it as a reality, I want to make sure, um, again, I'm not the perfect dad, but I want to make sure I give it every opportunity to, you know, support my little boy and my wife um, in, the, in the life that we have ahead of us. Um, and to do that, we, we all need to be on the same page. Because as soon as um, you know, it becomes the Ephraim show, then it's it's just another recruit, recruitment agency, and you know we're it's just giving it all this all the time. And obviously, at the age your son's at, you can do that. But when he's at school, you won't be able to take him out in the week to go to Melbourne for a few days or whatever. Like, so have you thought about how you'll get around that? So that's how the, that's why we set up the management structure that we've got. So again, Peter Peter down in Victoria, eighteen years at Hayes. He was a, a director at Hayes. He's responsible for running the whole of Victoria and um, New South Wales. Where we've got an executive director in New South Wales in Sydney. We've got a director of New South Wales in Sydney. And um, you know, and and again, James James and I have worked together before. He's given been given the the remit of actually growing um, you know, one of the largest recruitment agencies in Sydney. And um, They'll all check in with me on a daily basis through Teams or through email or whatever the case may be. My role, I will actually be taking a step back over the, you know, the next 12 to 18 months and focusing more on the business as opposed to in the business because I've got the support around me. Um, and you know, again, Rachel Jones here in WA, Rachel has arguably got one of the hardest jobs in the business. She's got you know three, soon to be four offices under her management, um, a team of about 60, I think, here in WA um, across the offices. He's well up for the challenge and he's basically you know, wanting to take on more responsibility in the business. And so I think because we're all kind of growing this together, you know, um, some of the some of the team are going over to you know, going over to Europe. Well, that, their whole work is distributed between all the other leaders in the business. And I think if you get that second tier of leadership right, then you could actually afford to kind of take a step back and take a breather. So, again, our org chart looks like CEO, founder, myself. Underneath me, we've basically got executive director, CFO, uh, sorry, COO being Cheryl, who's previously worked for me before, general manager, EGM. Um, we've obviously got payroll manager who's worked for me before, pay, payroll East Coast, payroll, uh, payroll West Coast. No, no, not many agencies have that, mate. But for us, it's about that candidate experience dealing with it. So I think then and below that, you've got the associate directors below that, team leaders below that, basically account managers. Everyone's got the career pathway to get all the way to the top. How so, many people do BD? How many people are responsible for bringing on the account? So we've actually now got a, a joining with us in in January and um, is a national business development director. We've just recently had a client engagement um, manager start with us. Up until that point, it's myself and potentially two or three of the people in the business that have all done the business development. So James over at the East Coast. Um, arguably you know, one of the best BDs I've had the luxury of ever working with. He's done an incredible job. Um, you know, we, mate, we've launched Age Care Healthcare literally two and a half, three months ago. Um, and have already, that team's up to about 17 people now in that team. Um, and we've literally got, you know, 10 of the largest accounts in Australia with over 600 vacancies to get stuck into. So it's, it, there's no one, uh, one attack that works well. I think because we're getting the candidate experience down pat. And that's what the first two months was all about. Systems, process, procedures, getting the candidate experience right. Because of the not that anybody enjoys applying for a job or going through mm -hmm. the registration piece or uploading all their tickets to license. But if you can try and make it a little bit more enjoyable and easier, um, and that process is something that they're, they're happy to do, well, then your speed to market's a lot quicker. Uh, but then obviously, you know, if you've got the well-being of the candidate. So again, mate, I'll, I'll send you over one of our care packages. We're the only recruiter in, in Australia, mate, who sends out these care packages. Things like 
if they're going to be going to a mine site and being flying fly out for you know two of them lost us, so they're away for two weeks, fourteen days, working you know, eleven hours a day on the feet. We find things like we've you know band aids for the blisters, you know, and we've got sun cream in there, we've got pillowcases in there because again they get to a room that they're sharing with somebody who's doing a 12, 12 hour uh, swing. And it's somebody else's bedding. So pillowcases, you know, water bottles, uh, ma- uh, face masks, collar socks, which are bamboo socks, which obviously help for breathing. So it's all the branded material, all the PPE. Got some of the best PPE that money can buy. Why? Because we want our employees to be looked after. We want them yeah. to, you know, to have a genuine care around their safety. We've clocked up more than 500 days free LTI. Uh, so LTI free days. So lost time injury free days. I don't know of any other recruitment agency, mate, that could boast that that, that solid safety history. Um, and again, the companies we're going up against have, have got millions to spend on their safety. And um, the EAP that I talked about earlier, having you know, a 24 hour 365 free EAP, employee assistance program, where anyone could call, you know, whether it's um, counseling, whether it's uh, you know, financial woes. One thing we do, we've, we've engaged a financial consultancy, so a financial planning, uh, planning firm, who gives free financial assistance to all of our candidates. Yes, it comes at a cost. But you've got these candidates who are getting, you know, uh, quite giddy about working 12 hours a day, you know, two on one rosters in the mine site. Oh, I'm going to earn all this money. Absolutely why. It's very lucrative, but you're also going to pay a lot of money in tax. How have you had that type of knowledge, that type of experience, that type of guidance to make sure you don't end up with a huge tax bill at the end of the year? So it's like that, that we're speaking to candidates going, what are your pain points? What, what don't you like about your current providers? And can we do something different? Can we implement that here at Collar? Give you one quick example, mate. We had somebody leave a, a bad uh, a one-star Google review on our page about communication. We weren't communicating flights. And, you know, they had better experience at Hayes or whatever the case may be. I actually got on the phone to this individual um, after a few conversations back and forth. I actually brought them in and hired them into a permanent full-time role in our organization as a candidate care manager. And her job was to ring around every single candidate we had on site and identify any issues, any concerns, any any things that we could better ourselves as a new agency. <laughs> and we implement. We wrote a 10-page basically manual on how we could do things better as a recruitment. So even that feedback, which turned off as a negative feedback, we turned into something positive, which has now given us the framework that the whole business is kind of met, marred on, uh, sorry, um, mirrored on based on the candidate feedback, the candidate interaction again. <laughs> We're only as good as our last placement. If we go into each and every environment with that type of methodology, we can't do anything wrong because we're always going to be educating ourselves and learning as we go. Ephraim, we've we've hit a one and one and a half hours. It's pretty much the longest episode I've recorded for a couple of years. You, uh, I could carry on all day. I think you, 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 the energy you've put into you put into these things and you exude is, is, is infectious. It's incredible. And I'm not surprised by where you are. I'm honestly not. I didn't know you before this other than to see on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it takes certain types of people to run these kind of businesses. And you're the, you know, you, you fit that mold in my opinion, which is um, I'm, I'm not like you. I'm, I haven't got that. I haven't got the same. Oh, that's a word. I'm definitely got drive and energy and, but I don't have. I don't think I think big as big as you. Perhaps you. You've got this like no. There's no barriers to where you're going, which I think is other people will just gravitate towards that because you don't find it very often in people. Um, what what I would love to do, and I mean this, is get you back on in 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 the next twelve months, probably towards the back end of maybe in a year's time. Um, you know, we, we this type of journey is 
is one that people will want to check in and, and find out if 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 it goes how you think it's going to go. Um, and I think I feel like it's my responsibility to to keep people abreast of what you're doing globally. It, it would be my pleasure, mate. Honestly, like I said to you before, I've been a big admirer of everything you've done. Um, love your podcasts and feel very fortunate and very honoured, mate, to obviously to even have an invitation to come on here and be given the opportunity to share my story. But obviously share, you know, obviously most importantly, the Collar, Collar Talent Group um, journey to date. So anything I could do to help, to support, to, you know, to champion, obviously what you do, mate, I'm only a phone call away. Thank you. And you just see my dog in the background. That's real working from home. He just jumps on the sofa. Um, in terms of your, uh, you know, your time, I know how busy you are. I know you've got a family, but if, if another recruiter, if another recruitment owner, leader, anyone globally, maybe they don't, they're not, they're not going to be able to work for Collar, but they just want to pick your brains. Are you open to that? Would you give them a little bit of time? Yeah, 100%, mate. I, I'm all about mentoring and giving back and, and do what I can to support. I mean, mate, I, you know, I've got, People who've previously worked for me, there's north of about 20 recruitment entrepreneurs now out there um, who has worked with me or alongside me um, or with me basically uh, over the years who, again, I'm I'm only a phone call away. Um, you know, no, this is the beautiful thing about, I guess, what we're, what we're doing in Australia, what, what kind of epitomizes the Australian uh, recruitment network is um, we're all small fish, you know, in a huge pond. Um, it's a very competitive market. It's really challenging and really tough to keep up with the, the big boys, purely because of their budgets and you know because of their shareholders and their, you know, I guess their, their history, their track record. Um, so anything we could do as a collaboration to to help educate and you know upskill and bring forward tomorrow's managers today into recruitment is is what we're all about. So anything I could do to help, by all means, please look me up on um, on LinkedIn, Ephraim Stevenson, uh, or drop me an email anytime at Ephraim at collar.group. Amazing. Legend. Well, look, um, Ephraim, have a wonderful end of the year. Have a great Christmas with the family. And um, I wish you all the best next year. We will get you back on and let's see how that journey unfolds. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, mate. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode is brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2000 recruiters right now both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level, individual recruiters in your businesses, how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. I would love to talk to you. I'll see you soon.